the painter. Sitting between the sea and the buildings, he enjoyed painting the sea's portrait. But just as children imagine a prayer is merely silence, he expected his subject to rush up the sand and, seizing a brush, plaster its own portrait on the canvas. So there was never any paint on his canvas until the people who lived in the buildings put him to work. Try using the brush as a means to an end. Select for a portrait something less angry and large, a more subject to the painter's moods or perhaps to a prayer. How could he explain to them his prayer that nature, not art, might usurp the canvas? He chose his wife for a new subject, making her vast like ruined buildings, as if forgetting itself, the portrait had expressed itself without a brush. Slightly encouraged, he dipped his brush in the sea murmuring a heartfelt prayer. My soul, when I paint this next portrait, let it be you who wrecks the canvas. The news spread like wildfire through the buildings. He had gone back to the sea for his subject. Imagine a painter crucified by his subject too exhausted even to lift his brush. He provoked some artists leaning from the buildings to malicious mirth. We haven't a prayer now of putting ourselves on canvas or getting the sea to sit for a portrait. Others declared it a self-portrait. Finally, all indications of a subject began to fade leaving the canvas perfectly white. He put down the brush. At once a howl that was also a prayer arose from the overcrowded buildings. They tossed him the portrait from the tallest of the buildings. And the sea devoured the canvas and the brush as though his subject had decided to remain a prayer.
recent past. Perhaps, perhaps, we ought to feel with more imagination. As today the sky 70 degrees above zero with lines falling the way September moves a lace curtain to be near a pair. The oddest device can't be usual. And that is where the pejorative sense of fear moves axles. In the stars, there is no longer any peace, emptied like a cup of coffee between the blinding rain that interviews. You were my quintuplets when I decided to leave you. Opening a picture book, the pictures were all of grass. Slowly, the book was on fire. You, the reader, sitting with specks full of smoke, exclaimed how it was a rhyme for brick or redder. The next chapter told all about a brook. You were beginning to see the relation when a tidal wave arrived with sinking ships that spelled out Aladdin. I thought about the Arab boy in his cave, but the thoughts came faster than advice. If you knew that snow was a still toboggan in space, the print could rhyme with fallen star. Top of my thumb. The grand hotels, dancing girls, urge forward under a veil of lost illusion. The deed to this day or some other day. There is no day in the calendar the dairy company sent out that lets you possess it wildly like the body of a dreaming woman in a dream. All flop over at the top when seized, the stem too slender, the top too loose and heavy. Blushing with fine foliage of dreams, the motor cars, tinsel hats, supper of cakes, the amorous children take the solitary downward path of dreams and are not seen again. What is it, Undyne? The notes now can scarcely be heard in the hubbub of the flattening storm with the third wish unspoken. I remember meeting you in a dark dream of April, 
You are some girl, the necklace of wishes alive and breathing around your throat. In the blindness of that dark whose brightness turned to sand salt glazed in noon sun, we could not know each other, or know which part belonged to the other, pelted in an electric storm of rain. Only gradually the mounds that meant our bodies that wore ourselves concaved into view, but intermittently as through dark mist smeared against fog. No worse time to have come, yet all was desiring though already desired and past, the moment a monument to itself no one would ever see or know was there. That time faded too and the night softened to smooth spirals or foliage at night. There were sleeping cabins nearby, blind lanterns. Nocturnal friendliness of the plate of milk left for the fairies, who otherwise might be less well disposed. Friendship of white sheets patched with milk and always an open darkness in which one name cries over and over again. Ariane, Ariane. Was it for this you led your sisters back from sleep, and now he of the blue beard has outmaneuvered you? But for the best, perhaps, let those sisters slink into the sapphire hair that is the mounting day. There are still other made-up countries where we can hide forever, wasted with eternal desire and sadness, sucking the sherberts, crooning the tunes, naming the names. Blue Sonata. Long ago was the then beginning to seem like now, as now is but the setting out on a new but still undefined way. That now, the one once seen from far away, is our destiny, no matter what else may happen to us. 
It is the present past of which our features, our opinions are made. We are half of it, and we care nothing about the rest of it. We can see far enough ahead for the rest of us to be implicit in the surroundings that twilight is. We know that this part of the day comes every day, and we feel that, as it has its rights, so we have our right to be ourselves in the measure that we are in it and not some other day or in some other place. The time suits us just as it fancies itself, but just so far as we not give up that inch. Breath of becoming before becoming may be seen or come to seem all that it seems to mean now. The things that were coming to be talked about have come and gone and are still remembered as being recent. There is a grain of curiosity at the base of some new thing that unrolls its question mark like a new wave on the shore. In coming to give, to give up what we had we have, we understand, gained or been gained by what was passing through, bright with the sheen of things recently forgotten and revived. Each image fits into place with the calm of not having too many, of having just enough. We live in the sigh of our present. If that was all there was to have, we could reimagine the other half, deducing it from the shape of what is seen, thus being inserted into its idea of how we ought to proceed. It would be tragic to fit into the space created by our not having arrived yet, to utter the speech that belongs there, for progress occurs through reinventing these words from a dim recollection of them, in violating that space in such a way as to leave it intact. Yet we do, after all, belong here, and have moved a considerable distance. Our passing is a facade, but our understanding of it is justified.
summer. There is that sound like the wind forgetting in the branches that means something nobody can translate. And there is the sobering later on when you consider what a thing meant and put it down. For the time being, the shadow is ample and hardly seen, divided among the twigs of a tree, the trees of a forest, just as life is divided up between you and me and among all the others out there. And the thinning out phase follows the period of reflection. And suddenly to be dying is not a little or mean or cheap thing. Only weary, the heat unbearable. And also the little mindless constructions put upon our fantasies of what we did. Summer, the ball of pine needles the loose fates serving our acts with token smiles, carrying out their instructions too accurately. Too late to cancel them now, and winter, the twitter of cold stars at the pain that describes with broad gestures this state of being that is not so big after all. Summer involves going down as a steep flight of steps to a narrow ledge over the water. Is this it then? This iron comfort? These reasonable taboos? Or did you mean it when you stopped? And the face resembles yours, the one reflected in the water. Today we are reading American poet John Ashbery, who was 
born in the early 30s or sometime around the 20s and grew into his poetry through the evolution of American modernism and abstract expressionism. He lived in a very fertile time for new ideas and is essentially one of the greatest poets to ever do it, to ever do the poetry thing. He's just won just about every award in the book, short of the Nobel Prize, which they thought they were going to give him, but then he died back in 2017. To me, he's just one of the most fascinating original poets who's who's ever used the language as some of you may have already grasped his poetry is not so easily understood in a logical narrative way but there always is a thread of narrative. He's not just writing about nothing. He's writing around something, letting the the thread of the narrative unspool and wind back in again and following every graceful curve of the twisting imagery which he allows to come through him because as with all great poets and artists he doesn't know where this comes from it's hugely inspired by the surrealists and their turning towards the mystery of the subconscious where imagery intermingles creating new symbols and creating this dream world that the logical mind can't really understand, so it must feel. This is poetry for the head and the heart, and you can engage with it on whatever level you want to. He's one of the few poets I find myself actually rereading because I know I didn't get everything and by the second time by the third time I know I still didn't get everything and I never will because it's so rich in his life Ashbury was shaped by a variety of factors, his own strange childhood in the rural Americas, his closeted gay feelings, his young early relationships with poetry, with the men in his life, and eventually 
his proclivity towards French symbolism and American abstract expressionism, all of these influences tie in to create a poetry in which Ashbury himself is never, it's never I, 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 but he's spectacularly present in these poems. That being said, let's hear a few more. Spring day. The immense hope and forbearance trailing out of night to sidewalks of the day like air breathed into a paper city, exhaled as night returns, bringing doubts that swarm around the sleeper's head but are fended off with clubs and knives so that morning instills again in cold hope. The air that was yesterday is what you are. In so many phases, the head slips from the hand. The tears ride freely, laughs or sobs, what do they matter? There is free giving and taking the giant body relaxed as though beside a stream wakens to the force of it and has to recognize the secret sweetness before it turns into life. Sucked out of many exchanges, torn from the womb, disinterred before completely dead and heaves its mountain broad chest. They were long in coming, those others, and mattered so little that it slowed them to almost nothing. They were presumed dead, their names honorably grafted on the landscape to be a memory to men. Until today we have been living in their shell. Now we break forth like a river breaking through a dam 
passing over the puzzled, frightened plain, and our further progress shall be terrible, turning fresh knives in the wounds in that gulf of recreation, that bare canvas as matter-of-fact as the traffic in the day's noise. The mountain stopped shaking, its body arched into its own contradiction, its enjoyment. As far from us, lights were put out. Memories of boys and girls who walked here before the great change, before the air mirrored us, taking the opposite shape of our effort, its inseparable comment and corollary by casting us farther and farther out. What, what, what happened? You are with the orange tree so that its summer produce can go back to where we got it wrong. Then drip gently into history if it wants to. A page turned. We were just now floundering in the wind of its colossal death. And whether it is Thursday, or the day is stormy with thunder and rain, or the birds attack each other, we have rolled into another dream. No use charging the barriers of that other. It no longer exists. But you, gracious and growing thing, with those leaves like stars, we shall soon give all our attention to you.
late echo. Alone with our madness and favorite flower, we see that there really is nothing left to write about. Or rather, it is necessary to write about the same old things in the same way, repeating the same things over and over for love to continue and be gradually different. Beehives and ants have to be re-examined eternally, and the color of the day put in hundreds of times and varied from summer to winter for it to get slowed down to the pace of an authentic saraband, and huddle there alive and resting. Only then can the chronic inattention of our lives drape around us, conciliatory and with one eye on those long, tan, plush shadows that speak so deeply into our unprepared knowledge of ourselves, the talking engines of our day. The song tells us of our old way of living, of life in former times. Fragrance of florals, how things merely ended when they ended, of beginning again into a sigh. Later, some movement is reversed and the urgent masks speed toward a totally unexpected end like clocks out of control. Is this the gesture that was meant long ago? The curving in of frustrated denials like jungle foliage, and the simplicity of the ending all to be let go in quick, suffocating sweetness. The day puts toward a nothingness of sky, its face of rusticated brick, 
Sooner or later, the cars lament. The whole business will be hurled down. Meanwhile, we sit, scarcely daring to speak, to breathe as though this closeness will cost us life. The pretensions of a past will someday make it over into progress, a growing up as beautiful as a new history book with uncut pages, unseen illustrations, and the purpose of the many stops and starts will be made clear. Backing into the old affair of not wanting to grow into the night, which becomes a house, a parting of the ways taking us far into sleep, a dumb love. double he says he doesn't feel like working today it's just as well here in the shade behind the house protected from street noises one can go over all kinds of old feeling throw some away keep others the wordplay between us gets very intense when there are fewer feelings around to confuse things. Another go-round? No, but the last things you always find to say are charming and rescue me before the night does. We are afloat on our dreams as on a barge made of ice shot through with questions and fissures of starlight that keep us awake, thinking about the dreams as they are happening. Some occurrence, you said it. I said it, but I can hide it, but I choose not to. Thank you. You are a very pleasant person. Thank you. You are too.
friends. I like to speak in rhymes because I am a rhyme myself. Nijinsky. I saw a cottage in the sky. I saw a balloon made of lead. I cannot restrain my tears and they fall on my left hand and on my silken tie, but I cannot and do not want to hold them back. One day the neighbors complain about an unpleasant odor coming from his room. I went for a walk, but met no friends. Another time I go outside into the world. It rocks on and on. It was rocking before I saw it, and is presumably doing so still. The banker lays his hand on mine. His face is as clean as a white handkerchief. We talk nonsense as usual. I trace little circles on the light that comes in through the window on sawhorse legs. Afterwards, I see that we are three. Someone had entered the room while I was discussing my money problems. I wish God would put a stop to this. I turn and see the new moon through glass. I am yanked away so fast I lose my breath, a not unpleasant feeling. I feel as though I had been carrying the message for years on my shoulders like Atlas, never feeling it because of never having known anything else. In another way, I am involved with the message. I want to put it down in two senses of put it down so that you may understand the agreeable destiny that awaits us. You sigh. Your sighs will admit of no impatience, only a vast crater lake, vast as the sea in which the sky smaller than that, is reflected. I reach for my hat, and am bound to repeat with tact the formal greeting I am charged with. No one makes mistakes. No one runs away anymore. I bite my lip and turn to you, maybe now you understand. The feeling is a jewel like a pearl.
So how does Ashbury's poetry inspire us to live poetically? I'd like to read a quote. Um, or a few quotes I found online, which are very apt descriptors of what makes Ashbery's poetry so uniquely beautiful and why, how, where, when, anytime we have that poetic urge to just live beautifully, we can find inspiration. Ashbury's strangeness of language and his fractal narrative, which doesn't provide a direct sort of discursive address to the reader to tell them how it is, has been compared to the poetry of Whitman in saying that it is essentially a means of involving the reader in the poem on what Whitman calls equal terms. Ashbury's evasions might be seen as motivated by a similar desire to achieve a greater and more democratic intimacy by short-circuiting conventional modes of address. So Ashbury leaves us space, and he has faith in our intelligence and our understanding as human beings to create our own shared experience with his art. He's not didactically telling us what beauty is. He's gathering up the broken fragments of colored glass and arranging them into an abstract mosaic which each person in, in their own time of the day as the light changes and as they change will see differently and feel in their own way. Ashbury says, I don't find any direct statements in life. My poetry imitates or reproduces the way knowledge or awareness come to me, which is by fits and starts and by indirection. I don't think poetry arranged in neat patterns would reflect that situation. My poetry is disjunct, but then so is life. So Ashbury acknowledges the multifaceted, ever-shifting nature of this life that we live, and he 
doesn't shy away from it and attempt to explain it. And I tend to find that so much of our suffering and so much upset in that we experience in our lives is caused by the universe's eventual breakdown of our narrative. So we're constantly, constantly telling ourselves this story about this thing we're experiencing. Perhaps it's beautiful and, and grand, but even so, we reduce it as we tell it to ourselves narratively. And for many of us, finding out the truth of the situation becomes a painful experience because it's not what we thought it was. And everything that we thought made sense has sort of fallen apart. The poetry of Ashbury is to me an often melancholic but relentlessly beautiful reminder that life is inexpressible and the most honest thing we can do for ourselves is to throw ourselves into the whirling milieu of, of images and associations and let them take their own shape. going to read one last poem. It's called A Blessing in Disguise. Yes, they are alive and can have those colors. But I in my soul am alive too. I feel I must sing and dance to tell of this in a way that knowing you may be drawn to me. And I sing amid despair and isolation of the chance to know you, to sing of me which are you. You see, you hold me up to the light in a way I should never have expected or suspected, perhaps because you always tell me I am you and right. The great spruces loom. I am yours to die with, to desire. I cannot ever think of me. I desire you for a room in which the chairs ever have their backs turned to the light, inflicted on the stone and paths the real trees that seem to shine at me through a lattice towards you. 
If the wild light of this January day is true, I pledge me to be truthful unto you, whom I cannot ever stop remembering. Remembering to forgive. Remember to pass beyond you into the day on the wings of the secret you will never know. Taking me from myself in the path which the pastel girth of the day has assigned to me. I prefer you in the plural. I want you. You must come to me all golden and pale, like the dew and the air. And then I start getting this feeling of exaltation. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been Living Poetry. I'm DJ Open. Today we were reading John Ashbery from his book, Selected Poems, which spans his entire 50-year career, 20 books, 30 books, I don't know, 100,000 books. That's another thing that's inspiring about Ashbery is... He just loved poetry. He just loved it. And he did it his whole life. And just kept writing. And you know what? He was fucking good. (laughs) Today we have been listening to Ravel. Specifically the album chill with Ravel as a homage to Ashbury's French influences and just because Ravel is amazing. So one last time, I'd just like to thank everyone who's listening and, you know, have a beautiful day. Go find the poetry That's everywhere.